Sunday Sermons from Trinity UMC in Lincoln, a podcast to help on the faith journey. Now on to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Slater. Well, we put up our Christmas tree in the Slater household yesterday. And yes, I know that's already the 9th of December, not the, uh, you know, a little late. Uh, I know there are a few of you who had your trees up even early and no judgment here and no judgment for me, even if it takes until like the 23rd, you know, 24th morning, <laughs> that's all right. But uh, I, uh, I love our tree that we have because it's been with me a long time, since even before I met my wife and, uh, and it became ours. Uh, this is the Christmas tree that I got when I moved out of my parents' house, and it is still cooking. It still looks good. Like, the, you know, like the, 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 it still spreads out well and fluffs well. The pieces still go together solid. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a few repairs I've had to make to it over the years. Uh, mostly the cardboard box that it came in is now more tape than box. <laughs> However, it does its job, and every year when I put that tree back in it, I feel this little little tinge of pride. It's like, you know, this tree has been with me a long time. That is a good relic, a good artifact. Well, this year was one of those years when I thought it might have been enough, because uh, the, uh, the, the part that, 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 uh, that takes the, that the, um, the, the, the top part of it goes into uh, cracked. And it's just plastic. I'm like, oh no. Like this tree, I don't even want, I don't, if I counted how many years I've had that tree, I'd feel old. <laughs> you know, I don't want it to end here like this. And then I had the idea I could get one of those, I think it's called a gear clamp. You know those things where you turn the screw and it tightens up? And I put it on that plastic part and I tightened it because I didn't want to over tighten it, make it worse, you know. And sure enough, the top of that tree went in there solid as ever. So one more year, right? <laughs> Now, we've all had projects that have not gone so smoothly though, right? The kind of project where something breaks and we think we can fix it and so we spend some time and some money trying to make it work and then it doesn't work. So we spend more time and money trying to make it work and then it still doesn't work. And then, well, we've already put so much into it, we can't give up on it now. And so we put more time and money into it, making it work, right? There are a lot of projects in our lives that go that way. And another example I think of are shortcuts. Have you ever uh, just known you had a shortcut to get to a certain place? And as you're driving on it, you're thinking, you know, it shouldn't take this long. Well, if I just go a little further, things will start to look familiar again. Maybe if I just go a little further, things will start to look familiar again. Well, I bring this up because this kind of thing is resonates with what John the Baptist is talking about, the figure of our scripture today. You know, we've been doing a uh, um, kind of a, uh, a focus through the fall months on the Old Testament, better called the Hebrew Bible. And we've, uh, uh, you know, not time to read every single story, of course, but we've at least hit the high points and tried to appreciate the grand sweep of what God has been doing throughout, uh, throughout that particular recorded history. And a lot of it revolves around the prophets. You know, there's Moses who, uh, who uh, uh, God raised up in, in a special uh, relationship to both the Hebrew people and the Egyptians and uh, led the people through the desert. Uh, there, uh, later on, we get Elijah and Elisha and try to remember which one is which and all of that. Then there's Isaiah, uh, the prophet who helped, uh, who helped the people. Um, well, he gave them what for because they needed to improve their ways as they headed into a difficult time. But then when they were in exile from their 
their homeland, he provided them comfort. And the prophet Jeremiah, who also helped with their, uh, with their return. So there's all these great prophets. Well, many people say that the last of the great Hebrew prophets was not one that's in the Old Testament. Because he's the one that bridges the gaps. And he's actually in the beginning of the New Testament. And that's John the Baptist, the last of the great prophets. And today we hear his story. Now, uh, you, you may uh, be familiar with the story of Zechariah, his father. That's a wonderful one to read if you want a little something extra to do. If you read some of the, uh, the other uh, gospel uh, passages, the other, the other gospel accounts of him, this one doesn't include, uh, the, the one we're reading today is in Luke. Some of the others talk more about what he was like personally, and it was pretty unsavory, let me tell you. He wore camel's hair, and you can tell from the tone that that was not a um, respectable thing to wear, <laughs> and a leather belt around his waist, it says, and he ate honey, wild honey, and locusts. So you could just guess what his breath smelled like. I tried to get Sophie to get us locusts for the treats back there this morning, but, and you know what? She actually looked. Oh well, maybe next year, right? Well, hear his story again, and hear it uh, a little more of it than we read before. In the 15th year of the rule of the emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea and Herod was ruler over Galilee, his brother Philip was ruler over Iturea and Trachonitis, and Licinius was ruler over Abilene. By the way, I know this is a lot of big names and whatnot, but I read it because it's clear that Luke, the gospel writer, is trying to place this in history because this is a pivotal moment. It is worth being precise about when this happened because it matters. I'll continue. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, God's word came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. John went throughout the region of the Jordan River, calling for people to be baptized, to show that they were changing their hearts and lives, and wanted God to forgive their sins. This is just as it was written in the scroll of the words of Isaiah, the prophet, one of the prophecies we read a few weeks ago. A voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley will be filled and every mountain and hill will be leveled. The crooked will be made straight and the rough places made smooth. All humanity will see God's salvation. Then John said to the crowds, crowds who came to be baptized by him. You children of snakes. Now, can you imagine this guy, you know, dressed as he is, eating locusts and all that? And he says, you children of snakes, who warned you to escape from the angry judgment that is coming soon? Produce fruit that shows you have changed your hearts and lives. And don't even think about saying to yourselves, Abraham is our father. Now, the way to read that is that some of them think that their heritage, that their, their cultural heritage uh, makes them special in the eyes of God. And indeed it does, but no more special than anybody else. Don't even think about saying to yourselves, Abraham is our father. I tell you that God is able to raise up Abraham's children from these stones. The axe is already at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be chopped down and tossed into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what then should we do? And so he gets specific. He answered, whoever has two shirts must share the one, must share with the one who has none. And whoever has food must do the same. 
Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Now, tax collectors were uh, people who were both colluding with the Roman government, working for them, and they were known to collect more taxes than they were supposed to, essentially stealing from their own people. And so they were not seen in a positive light. So it's significant when it says that even tax collectors came to be baptized. And they said to him, teacher, what should we do? He replied, collect no more than you are authorized to collect. Soldiers asked him, what about us? What should we do? And he answered, don't cheat or harass anyone and be satisfied with your pay. All in all, his message is that those things you do that are wrong, those things you do that are not in line with how God made you and the world to be, those are the things that you need to chop out of your life and throw into the fire, for they are worthless. Instead, do the things of God. Now, the word that's used in the scripture in Greek is a significant one. Metanoia, it is. It's pronounced and metanoia in other places is translated turn. And I think that is an excellent way to think about it. Turn. Sometimes it's translated repent, and that's good too, I suppose. But what it's really saying is that there are places in your life where you are on the wrong road. There are places where you are going down the wrong path toward things that do not lead to what is good and what is real and what is whole and what is true. Yet you walk down that path anyway. Turn. Now is the time to turn so that you can be on the right path and what is good because Jesus is coming. Seems to me that what we're really talking about is what's sometimes known as the sunk cost fallacy. Now, have you ever heard that name for it? The sunk cost fallacy? That's where when we spend a lot of resources on something, whether it be money or time or energy or giving our heart to something, and it disappoints, well, we think to ourselves, well, I don't, I don't, I don't want to waste what I've already put into it, so, so, so we'll have to put more. So that's like when something breaks on an old car, and so you spend hundreds of dollars fixing that part on the car that's broken, and then something else breaks, you think to yourself, well, if I give up on it now, then the money I spent last month is wasted. So you put more money into it. The sunk cost fallacy could be said easily with a more folksy kind of phrase, don't throw good money after bad. That's what it's about. It's about when we're on a shortcut that we think is right, but we're so invested in it, we want to drive further not to get where we're going, but we want to prove our shortcut isn't wrong, even though it is. That's the sunk cost fallacy. Don't throw good money after bad. Well, what John the Baptist is saying is don't throw good life after bad. He's saying... You have been on the wrong path. Maybe not all of your life. Maybe some of the things you are doing are good. But some of the way you spend your time, some of the way you spend your energy is the wrong path. And so don't continue going down it. Don't walk just a few steps further down the wrong path. It's not going to get any better and it's not going to lead anywhere worth going. Instead, turn. Turn, because now is the time to make it right. Now is the time to stop throwing good energy after bad, good time after bad, good life after bad. Instead, turn and do the things of God that lead to what is real. 
Focus on the things that set the world right. Focus on the things that bring beauty into it. And focus on the things that help you to know God better and that help others know who they are in God too. Don't throw good life after bad. Turn. So next week will be amazing. I know that it will because of how much has been put into it. We're going to have not only our normal choir, but we're going to have an extended choir. I'm going to join in the bass section, fair warning. Save me a spot. <laughs> we're going to have orchestra here. We're going to have uh, brass, the various instruments. It is going to be fantastic to hear the story presented to us uh, as it has for so many years through Handel's Messiah. So don't miss it. But in the meantime, and in the midst of that beauty, think about the ways where you walk further than you should down paths that aren't real. And in the meantime, don't waste any more of your life on dead ends. Turn. Let us pray. Oh God, thank you for the opportunity to see the road in front of us. Oh God, when we turn on the bad road, when we turn onto the wrong path, it's sometimes difficult to see. And sometimes our own pride keeps us from admitting it. Help us to listen to John the Baptist. And in honor of the one whom we celebrate coming at Christmas, Jesus, help us to turn. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's Sunday Sermon. For more information on growth groups or how to more fully embrace the life of faith, visit us at www.trinitylincoln.org.